What is happening, everybody? Welcome to Off the Rails, a recovery podcast dedicated to ending the stigma of addiction through open discussion on all things recovery related. My name is Mark. With me always is Dave. Today we have a very special guest, and Dave is going to introduce her. Yeah, we're really pumped to have our, uh, our next guest on here. She's a loving mother of two beautiful little girls. Um, she's also, you know, an addiction and mental health advocate who shares her story to, to bring more awareness to the community. And uh, we couldn't thank her more for that. So please welcome Jen to the show. What's up, guys? I'm Jen, and I'm an alcoholic and an addict. <laughs> Jen, thank you so much for joining us. Um, as we were kind of discussing before, what we do most times is we get our guests on here, kind of share their stories, their experiences with addiction and with recovery. So uh, once again, we're very thankful to have you on. Um, if you want to introduce yourself and then kind of kind of start with your life story, you know, where you're from, how life was growing up, et cetera. Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, I'm Jen. Um, I identify as an addict and an alcoholic. Um, I identify as quite a few things. I qualify for quite a few 12 step programs out there, to be honest. Um, but I did work the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's my safe place. That's just what worked for me. Um, so, I mean, a little bit about me. I'm 35. I have two beautiful girls that are my life. And um, if you would have asked me five years ago, if you know, do you think you're going to be a mother? I would have said no. Um, I truly thought that my addiction was going to kill me and take me out and just not give me the opportunities that I have today. Um, so I'm so grateful. Uh, let's see. So a little bit about me. I grew up in California. My parents divorced when I was really young. Um, so I had to kind of jump back and forth between dad and mom's house. And originally I lived with my mom when I was little and my mom at the time was struggling really bad with her own addiction and was very sick herself. Um, at the time, I didn't really see it that way. I, it was hard for me. I was a little girl, but today I'm able to be like, you know, she was sick. She did the best she could. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of abandonment, neglect, um, some pretty heavy traumas when I was little and I kind of grew up with these core beliefs that, you know, I'm not good enough. Um, people will always leave me. Um, your emotions don't matter. And I was, those are just what were instilled in me. So growing up with that really didn't give me a lot of coping skills for life. Um, I didn't know how to manage stress. I didn't know how to manage emotions and, you know, drugs and alcohol came at a perfect time for me. I got really into methamphetamine when I was 18 years old. Um, today, if you ask me like what I prefer, alcohol or meth, meth is my baby. Um, alcohol brought me closer to death, but alcohol or but meth will always be like the thing that I want the most. So I got really, really into meth. I dropped a bunch of weight. You know, it not only made me skinny, which is what every girl I think wants, but it also just kind of numbed everything from the past. I didn't feel, I didn't care if I felt, all I cared about was getting my next high. And from about 18 to, I don't know, 32, I was in and out of rehabs every other month. Um, I was hospitalized. I've been to jail quite a few times, just utter, utter insanity. Um, and I mean, I just a complete inability to grasp the idea that I had a problem that I needed to get help 
I didn't care. I, I was almost happy living the life that I was in and out of rehabs, doing drugs. I, I was like, okay, this, so this is what, this is it for me. Um, this is just who you are. And, um, yeah, it, it was, it was really scary and really rough for a while. Um, I mean, to put it into perspective, I, I was a binge drinker towards the end and I was hospitalized with a 0.45 blood alcohol content on numerous occasions. I was put into a medical induced coma, um, just really heavy, heavy stuff. And again, I, I, I didn't care. I would get out of the hospital and go straight to the liquor store. That just, that's just what I wanted. And, you know, up until January of 2019, um, or no, 18, 19, sorry, 2019, um, you know, I finally surrendered when I went to the rehab that I did in January. Um, I went to a place called the Meadows in Arizona. And for anyone struggling and that has bad childhood trauma, I cannot recommend this place enough. It, it helped me dive into like my childhood and my inner child and have more compassion for myself. And it really kind of helped me just know myself and realized why I was the way I was. And to, I didn't fear myself as much. I found myself fearing my responses and reactions to so many things that I would need to drink. I just, I couldn't handle myself in my own skin. And the Meadows truly gave me myself back and helped me love myself. So I'm able today to, you know, when I'm struggling or not knowing how to cope with a situation, I realize it's like a hysterical response from my like historical, you know, moments in my past. And I'm able to kind of nurture myself as opposed to running to drugs and alcohol. And yeah, it, it was the best thing that I did. I got out of rehab. I got a sponsor. I started working the steps and I actually got honest. You know, I, I got sponsors before, but I never told them the truth. I, I always downplayed my, my addiction. I, I, never got really honest. And I finally just bared it all with my sponsor in Nashville. And I can't tell you what a miracle it was when you, when I finished those steps, the whole like weight has been lifted. I mean, I thought it was such bullshit for the longest time, but it's, it's truly magical how you do feel like a weight lifted off of you when you release all that bullshit. And I honestly think like, cause I have two young girls. I think everyone in this world can benefit from the 12 steps. Like whether or not you have an addiction, it teaches you how to be a better human and how to just live life on life's terms. You know, none of us know how to just be present and be in the today. We're always worried about tomorrow or what happened yesterday. And if we're able to just sit in the moment and today, the rest of it just works itself out. And, uh, and to stay grateful. I find that when I wake up and I start my morning with gratitude, I shit just goes easier. I don't want to use when I'm grateful, you know? But I mean, that's a little bit about my story. I mean, I didn't get into too much detail, but I'm sure you get the gist. Um, you know, and since then, by the grace of God, I have three and a half years sober. I have two beautiful little girls and, you know, they don't have to see me fucked up today. I hope it's okay. I'm swearing. I Absolutely. I, I, Absolutely. I yeah. We, we encourage um, you. Okay, cool. <laughs> so <does> my, <laughs> um, yeah, they don't have to see me drunk today and I'm able to be a partner to Austin, you know, like it's people always ask me, do you recommend dating someone else in recovery? And I never really know the answer because it can be a beautiful thing or it can be awful. And I think that if you're both working a solid foundation, like on your own, you're kind of able to come together and help one another. But if you're so wrapped up in one another's recovery and this and that, it's, it's almost like 
a codependency thing. And that's where it just like goes to shit. So today him and I are very independent with our sobriety and our recovery and what works for us. And we're able to communicate and be there for one another and call each other on your shit. You know, like you can't bullshit a bullshitter. So it's, it's, it just works for us. So, yeah. And I, I always love an opportunity to come share because I don't think people talk enough, especially in sports about mental health and addiction and to feel safe talking about it and non-judged, you know, especially like the NHL has a phenomenal program for substance abuse. Like they take care of you ridiculously, but I don't hear a lot of wives or women coming forward. And I, I just, I love spreading the word because I want people to know it's okay to not be okay. No matter what your platform, who you are, you know, we're not all well all the time, you know? I think it's phenomenal what you said about the 12 steps and how everyone can kind of, um, whether you're, you're an addict or not, can use that. Cause I, I had a similar thought about rehab too. And just what you learn there about yourself. And I'm sure a lot of people have that it's could be great for everybody. Right. And everyone could, could benefit from that. So hundred percent question for you though, that, that rehab you went to, um, you know, you said you went to other ones before, was it just that, like you didn't learn that stuff at the other ones or was it just the timing as well, kind of play in the factor that you were kind of surrendering and ready to actually absorb too? You know, I, I probably, it probably was a little bit of both. Um, I was pretty broken by the time I went to that rehab, that was like number 12 or 13 for me, not counting sober livings. So I was pretty broken, but the reason I loved the Meadows is because they have this week called survivors and the entire week is all about the trauma you went through where they actually have you role play with your abuser and like yell at them and tell them to go fuck themselves. And like, you hurt me. And it's such a powerful experience because a lot of us don't get to talk to our abusers anymore and tell them how much they hurt us. And I think it's really important to like, get it out and express to them. Like you took this from me, how dare you? And then to be able to come out on the other side and be like, you know what? Thank you for doing that to me because I'm the person I am today because of you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it just, I don't know, it was for 45 days. A lot of them are for 30 and I, I, I don't know, I, it could have been a combination of both, but it just, it really, really worked for me. I never, I don't think I really knew myself until I went to that place. Jen, we kind of, so we seen on your Instagram, you're like clearly really close with your family, um, through active addiction. How, how were your relationships with your family? Oh man. Uh, you know, in the beginning, it was definitely, you know, my dad, my dad was paying for rehabs in the beginning, didn't really know what to do. Um, and then it got to a point where it was just strictly tough love. I love you, but I can't help you anymore. You know, they never let me, you know, be completely on the streets, but towards the end, they weren't doing anything for me. I had no trust with them. Um, they locked their house when I was in town. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad for a while. Um, and you know, I think it was also a learning thing for them too. You know, a lot of parents don't really know what to do or go through. I think Al-Anon is so important. Today, their relationships are better, but it took a lot of time. Absolutely. All right. So you're able to like kind of work on them throughout recovery, correct? Totally. Totally. Absolutely. And, it, you know, it also like, of course, I, a lot of it was my fault. You know, I was putting them through hell, but also at that treatment center and through the 12 step, I was kind of able to see like their part in things which kind of helped me release some of the guilt and the shame that I had towards them. Not that I was giving myself a pass or an excuse by any means, but it also helped me see that, you know, everybody plays a part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the treatment center myself and Dave went to, they offer like a family program. So mm -hmm. where they work with families as well. 
and the, they kind of, they write, they do questionnaires that you go through with them. And like, it kind of shows how your substance abuse affected the family. Yeah. And I found that it's like super eye opening when we did it. Which part? Uh, just like reading how much like, cause I guess I was so self-absorbed in active addiction, right. That you don't recognize how much it affects your family. Sure. And, then, and then answering all these questionnaires, you're just like, oh, shh, tough. Oh, I heavy it like it's oh I want sometimes I was like fuck did I really do that to them but you know it's once you get a little bit bit of time and you start doing the right things your family's able to see the real you again um and it you know and once they finally realize that you have an addiction problem you aren't just a terrible person it kind of helps them understand a little bit more you know like we were sick we weren't ourselves absolutely did you struggle a bit you know, after trying to build those relationships as far as, um, you know, thinking that things would be kind of now that you're through the rehab this time and you're working, you're kind of working through it, that everyone should just be kind of uh, trusting of you and. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, as you both know, I'm an instant gratification type of person. I, I, with everything. And I expected everyone to just be like, oh my God, you're better. You, the, you know, obsession's been lifted, blah, blah, blah. And it, you know, I had to accept people for where they were and know that it takes time. That's a big issue for me is accepting people's feelings where they are and not wanting them to change like to where I'm at. It's, it's, I still struggle with that. Jen, I had a question and kind of, we got to rewind a little bit. So like you mentioned your drug of choice was meth. Was there like a progression towards meth or Yes. So I started with an eating disorder in high school and just super body dysmorphia, um, super insecure. And it was when Lindsay Lohan was going through like her crack phase and like skinny was really in. And I was like, so fixated on that. And I was like, that's what I want to look like. And it just wasn't achievable with an eating disorder. And I'll never forget. I went to a party. I just graduated from high school and I was kind of a, I don't want to say a goody girl in high school, but I didn't really do a lot. I went to a party and there was white lines on a table. We were drinking beers, blah, blah, blah. My girlfriend was like, hey, do a bump, do a bump. And I'm like, okay, yeah, cocaine. I did a line and I can't even express to you the burn because it was meth. I had no idea. I thought it was coke. My nose is bleeding. And within a matter of like five minutes, I, I was free, free of everything. And it was just on from there. You know, meth just solved all my problems. Um, I've heard it like, so you like refer to as being like, you're always chasing that like first high. Did you feel that way? Totally. There's like that feeling of like euphoria, like the first time you do drugs and. Oh, for sure. For mm -hmm. sure. I, I like planned it out. Cause with meth, like you don't sleep. Like there were days when, I mean, I, the shadow people, I saw it all like after three days, but I found that if I slept for a little while and I got high the next morning, it would almost be that same like first high. So I like, I, I was calculated, dude. It was bad. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've never related to something more. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this, but I had some of the wet, the best, worst times of my entire life when I was on drugs. Like, can you guys relate a little bit or am I just like a complete insane person? No, you're absolutely correct. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, like, yeah, the things that I think of that are like, at that time, I'm like, that was awesome. But if they are horrible, like you <laughs> reflect on that, you're like, that's, that sucks. Freaking awful. Like, I hate the word normies, but normies would look at you and be like, are you, you need to be in a straitjacket. And I'm like, you just don't get it. You just don't get it. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Couldn't agree more. 
have a bit of a I have a bit of a loaded question. It might be, um, you know, we've talked about Mummy Wine Club a little bit, the, the culture, and um, my Mummy Wine culture. Now, as a with your spouse that is a you know professional athlete, how important do you think it should be for the spouses to have something that they can go to to help them? You know, because you you know a lot of times you pick up and leave, you know, go to a different city, and you're expected to just kind of keep everything together. You know, whether you have children or not, you know, you're there kind of dropping everything. And if you talk about NHL, I mean, we're talking about hockey alone, NHL, AHL, East Coast, all those leagues, plus every sport. I mean, how relevant do you think it should be to have more support for the for the women? I think it it needs to happen. Like we you know, and whether or not you have a substance abuse problem, just to be able to talk about your mental health, just because like you said, we are pretty much at the beck and call of them, like their career, what they have to do. You know, we just have to up and move if they get traded. It's a lot on your mental health. And the cool thing that would be about the NHL is no matter where a woman is or where she has to go, the NHL, you can always turn to that to have support, you know, some core groups of people, you know, you can zoom, you can call, um, you know, it's, it's hard when you get traded and just go into an NA or an AA meeting where you don't know anybody, but it would be great for the NHL to have like a core group of people as like your NHL, you know, mental health advocates family. So you could turn to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but no, I think it's so important. Yeah. Jen, I have a question that I love asking guests. Um, so I just recently uh, had a daughter, right? Oh, right. I know. Amazing. And uh, I'm looking forward to like kind of explaining and talking about addiction to her as she grows up. And I was wondering if you ever, if, if you put much thought into it or how you plan on approaching that situation with your daughters. So I've actually, I took Livy to her first AA meeting. Um, gosh, it was right when I got here over the summer in California and it was, she's four. So she don't sit still. Well, like it's, it's hard. And I just explained to her, I was like, this is where mommy goes to get well. I was like, if mommy doesn't go to these meetings, mommy gets sick. And she's curious. She's like, mommy's like a cold. And I was just like, no, mommy's head just needs to be better. And I need to be around people like me. And it's just little things like that. Um, I, I brought her to her first meeting just because I want her to, I don't want her to be like hyper aware, like she's going to be an addict or an alcoholic, but I want her to see the fellowship and just see the 12 steps and know that like she can use them regardless of, you know, addiction problems. Like I said earlier, just because like, I, I don't know, the fellowship is so bitching. Like, <laughs> no, do you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, so it's great to go anywhere in the world and walk into a meeting and you know that you're at home and you're going to be welcomed and held and just people look at you and be like, I get it. That's just, I've been searching for that my entire life. I've always felt so alone. So knowing I can walk into a room with a bunch of crazy people and just feel so connected is so beautiful. So I think presenting it in a way like that to kids. So it's not so much as like a scary thing. It's like, I, oh, mommy needs this like for, to get better, but more as like a, this is fun. We're going to go here and meet some like rad people. Yeah. That's an amazing yeah. point. And like, you know, when you look at like honesty, open-mindedness and willingness, those are some like fairly great things to teach people at a young age. Jen, did you and Austin meet, um, you know, when you're both sober or did you guys kind of go through that together? And then, uh, <laughs> it's so romantic. We actually met in rehab. Okay. Um, 
and I, <laughs> it's always hard for me talking about that out loud because it's not something I like recommend to people. I think you should go there to focus on yourself. Um, but it was in no way like him and I went there and we like fell in love and this and that. We were both with people at the time, other people. And the treatment center that we went to was in California and it was only six clients at a time in this beautiful house. So you get really close with the people there and you form these really cool connections and relationships. And that's just what we did. We were really, really good friends. You know, obviously I thought he was good looking, you know, don't tell him I said that, but it was more than that. It was cool to be around someone that got it, that was going through the same thing, you know, and it, it just took the pressure off, you know, it, it, it just worked. And then when we both got out of treatment, we both went our separate ways. He went and played for the Preds. I stayed in California and I was still struggling. I went out again and was relapsing and he was thriving in Nashville playing really well. And he just stayed my friend and kind of helped me back to myself. Um, you know, he wasn't like enabling in any way, but he was always there for me. And finally I was like, you know what? I got to go to a sober living. I got to stop doing this. And I went to sober living and I flew out to see him here and there in Nashville and eventually moved there. And we got pregnant with Olivia pretty quickly. She wasn't planned, but she was the best thing that ever happened to us. We've, we've had that conversation about, uh, when a friend is struggling, can you maybe without a you know, getting into too much exactly what maybe he was saying, but that balance between, you know, being there for someone and trying to, you know, not dictate their life, but, you know, trying to help them into, you know, getting help again. Like, yeah, you think that balance is, you know, at least for me, there was really nothing anyone could say or do that was going to make me stop. Um, it, it had to be a me decision and, him just being there and answering my calls and just by me knowing that one person hasn't completely given up on me yet was really all I needed. Um, I think when we're out, you know, a lot of people cut us off other than like the wrong people that we're with. And it's just nice to know or not feel as alone. Um, and I, I think just love people. If they're out, just love them. I'm here for you. I'm not judging you. Um, you know, and I'll be here. You know, that's really all I think they need. Jen, so you were talking about how you had that like connection with, with Austin. Um, and I found like, there's so many people like that I met through my times at rehabs where you just, you, you're able to connect with them because you're able to like open up and share and you know, you're not, yeah, like my, like my boy Dave here, um, <laughs> right. You're able to just like make these amazing friendships and I find there is kind of like a tough period when you leave rehab and you're like, man, fuck, like you're not, not everyone's going to be like that now. Right. Oh, like, for sure. It's hard. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. so, yeah, I went through that too. Kind of like a depression where I'm like, oh God, yeah. I had like crew and now I don't. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. It was rough. And I mean, it, it would definitely help so that I still talk to him when I got out, but yeah, I, I can relate. That's, that's hard. Absolutely. Okay. So I seen you're at a wedding right? Yeah. My sisters. How, how is a wedding in recovery? Oh, you know, I fucking hate wedding sober. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. I hate, I, I feel out of place. I I'm like, why are they having more fun than me? It's, it, it, they're not my favorite to be honest. Um, but 
I will say there's no better feeling than waking up the next day and being able to be like, oh my God, I remember every perfect moment from last night because I was sober. I was able to stand next to my sister as her maid of honor and give a speech because I'm sober. And, you know, as much as I'm like, fuck, I, I, a martini would have been great last night. It would have ruined my life. It's not worth it anymore. You know, all the good I have today is because I'm sober. So if you kind of look at weddings as like a gift versus like, the worst thing on the planet. It's just, you're able to kind of, I I think it's so important to see the tiny miracles and everything and just look at the beauty, you know? Sorry if you hear a dog, but yeah. That's okay. Big dog guy. (laughs) Um, No, that's an awesome answer. Um, I'm really glad that you, you said you didn't like the wedding sober because the thought of going to a wedding sober to me is just, but it's, not as it's not that fun I don't really like you know in huge party settings in general sober you know like a like I'll go for a minute you know just to support people but when people start getting sloppy I'm out like that's just no fun no horrible yeah now what about vacations how do you uh how do you find those now um so I actually went on a huge family vacation a couple of weeks ago to Cabo and Sometimes it's hard, you know, like laying by the pool, would I love a drink, blah, blah, blah. But I, I always, you know, order a virgin margarita or something. And I think it comes easier with work on yourself. Um, if I'm comfortable in my own skin and I'm staying grateful and my, I have a healthy perspective on life, I don't necessarily have the desire to want to drink as much, you know, cause I, 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 I always wanted to alter how I feel to either feel better or to feel worse or to numb. And, you know, today, by feeling comfortable and okay and content, I don't necessarily need something as much, no matter what the setting, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. We out normally do like a top five. Okay. But uh, we'll go top three for you. Wait, but, top three? Of- no, wait, here, wait for it. Okay. We're going to go top three recovery tools. Oh, okay. Top three recovery tools. Let me think about this. Um, I think one of, and I've said it, I think a few times on here, one of the most important tools that people can have is gratitude. I think start your day with gratitude. Um, Everything seems manageable. Um, I think the second is find a good support system, um, whether that be a sponsor, people in recovery. Um, I, I, I do think it's important to have sober people in your corner and who you can call and like good ones. You know, I always found myself kind of just like wanting people in my life that I went with this person, with this person. And it wasn't actually someone that had something I wanted and desired. And today I have women that like I idolize and I, I want to be better, um, for, I hope that makes sense. Find people you respect basically in recovery. (sighs) Number three, God, does Zoloft count? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a biggie for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I think so. <laughs> medication? Yeah, no. absolutely. <laughs> no, medication's a sweet tool. I, I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. I, there's no shame in medications. Medication helps you help you. So do what yeah. you got to do. Yeah, I found um, I used to like use to kind of self-medicate and like numb my depression and whatever. Yeah. Medication helped so much. It really does. It really does. Um, so, I mean, yeah, of course, medication, but I, I think the third is probably the steps. 
Um, I think that whether or not you, you know, you've worked them already, I think it's important to keep working them. Like you can always keep working them, even though you already did them with your sponsor. I find that I keep discovering new things. The more I work them to run through them. Um, yeah. So I, the steps, gratitude and, uh, support people. Yeah. Sweet top three. Yeah. yeah. These are great. I, I have a question now. I may be way off base here because I am not a female. Um, but as a female, how, when you talk about, you know, you struggle with an eating disorder when you're younger, I think in a lot of ways, society has done better with different size, you know, women with modeling and different things like that. But social media is still so prevalent and there. I think there's still a lot of young women mm -hmm. that go on there that think that one certain look is all that, you know, is beautiful. So yeah. how kind of like, do you think we're in the right direction, but also have a lot of work to do for, you know, women, for mental health for young girls? Mm. You know, I think in so many ways we're going the right direction in so many ways we're I don't know where we're going, um, to be honest, but I, you know, Instagram and social media is really tough. I still struggle with it. Um, I constantly compare and comparison is the thief of happiness. Um, so it's, it's hard for me. God, that's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, again, I think it just has to do with how you are with you, where, where your foundation is with your self-worth, self-esteem. Um, I think that if you're in a good place with you none of that shit will bother you or matter but I think it's also important to know the warning signs like when I'm on Instagram and I notice like I'm getting really wrapped up and comparing a lot I need to take a break or I need to just say it out loud so somebody else can hold me accountable um so yeah I think it's just something that you you just need to be hyper aware of and just always explain like how you're feeling um you know I I love today that like yeah, I worked on my past traumas and I worked on like all the horrible shit I went through when I was little, but the things that really are going to take me out today are the day-to-day, -day. like the day-to-day -day stressors, like my kids getting on my nerves or like someone commented something rude on my Instagram and that's really getting to me. So I think it's really important to like take a, a daily, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I don't know, just like see where you are that day, get out your feelings, maybe journal them down and say them out loud and really get it out and express what you're going through that day. So that doesn't keep like eating you alive inside. Um, I hope that makes sense, but yeah. Totally. yeah. Would, yeah. One those, would one of those stressors, stressors be spending time in Canada in the winter or? <laughs> okay, so one of y'all called me and I saw Toronto. You guys are from Toronto. No, no. Oh. That was my number. Yeah. I used to live in like Southern Ontario. I'm up in uh, like Northern Ontario. Now I moved, I moved, but yeah. But you guys are Canadians. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, <laughs> I came at an awful time. I was six months pregnant, dead winter, COVID. I mean, I, I wasn't a fan of Canada. Let's just say, let's just put it that way. I, I'm just going to say it. <laughs> um, not to mention I'm from California and like, it's a complete 180 with weather. Um, and you know, I'm in Ottawa, phenomenal, phenomenal team organization. I love the people there that I found, but it's, it's a cold small as shit. It, wait, what did you say? It's cold as shit there. It's cold as shit and there's not a lot to do. 
it's I, and coming from Nashville in California, like I, it was rough. Let's just say that it was rough. Oh man, I am from a small town in the east coast of Canada, and Ottawa has so much more to do than there. It is <laughs> unbelievable. Oh god, <laughs> I can't even imagine. I, it was, I yeah, it was. <laughs> It was hard, but thankfully the senators, the entire organization and like our hockey family couldn't be better. I mean, the most incredible team and staff. I, if it weren't for them, I would have jumped off the bridge. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Um, Yeah, I was in Ottawa this winter. Um, We went to rehab like just outside of Ottawa in Merrickville. Beautiful little town. I'm sure it was lovely. (laughs) If you think there's not a lot to do in Ottawa, you should check out Merrickville. What was the rehab called? Newgate 180. Newgate 180. Okay, cool. I'll have to look it up. Mm -hmm. Super sweet place. So you guys do this podcast. Y'all work in recovery? Nope. We we met in rehab and we're like, we should start a podcast. No way. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's so cool. And you guys are, what's your, your dates? How long you got? Uh, I'm almost at 10 months. Uh-huh. Right I'm, on. Almost, I'm almost nine. Nice guys. How do we feel? Incredible. Really? Is this like your first go around? No, 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 no. Um, I've been to like three different rehabs okay. and uh, there's, I don't know this one, this one feels good good mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of like that cliche when you know you know yeah it's it's I can't say that enough to people it's just it's not even an option for me anymore like I well today it's not an option for me today yeah so yeah I'm so happy for you guys do you ever have dreams where you use and then you beat yourself up because you lose your like clean time and like last night okay, last night. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. I have them constantly and I wake up with the worst pit in my stomach, I can't yeah. even explain. But then I like play the tape through and I'm like, fucking praise Jesus, you're still sober. Yeah. Yeah, I never had them before. Mm-hmm. I had one last night as well. It was just like so realistic. And then in my dream, I was just like beat myself up. I'm like, you suck. Like you, yeah. you. And then I woke up this morning. I'm like, woohoo. Woo. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. No, I get that. But I'm kind of like grateful for them because it really shows me like how shitty I'd feel if I used yeah absolutely yeah I think sometimes they're like a blessing that comes in because maybe you needed that at that time right to kind of scare you straight totally like yeah I had one last night and I went to a wedding last night so I mean it's the universe you know absolutely um Dave do you have any more questions for Jen I have a very selfish question okay Nashville what's that but I love those questions well yeah I think it'll help a lot of other people too so Nashville has always been on my bucket list, okay. but I can't think about maybe the thought of going there and not partying. So what would be some top, you know, give us a top three list of like, obviously we got to check out live music and that thing and, you know, not, not booze or whatnot when you're there, but what else can we do in Nashville? I can, okay. Well, like the number one thing, and you got to write this down, call me because I'll be there. Um, yeah. I mean, I'll take you to a meeting. I'll meet or introduce you to some people. You know, I think it's important to go 
with sober people for one, you know, I don't think I would go to Vegas with one of my friends that like parties all the time, right. Kind of fresh out of sobriety or out of rehab. Um, but yeah, go with like a good group of people, hit a meeting while you're there and just stay accountable. Um, and yeah, call me, I, me and him live there in the off season during the summer. So I would love to show you guys Nashville. There's so much more to Nashville than like Broadway and the party scene. There's such good food, such good music and culture. Um, and there's also really solid meetings there. So there's, there's fun to be had without like all the booze and the craziness. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. All right, guys, Jen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my God, for having me. You did such an amazing job. Thanks. And uh, guys, if you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, please reach out and ask for help. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.